0: So this morning, I am in week three of a sermon series that I started in January called Revival. The hope in this series is revival. The hope is truly that God would pour out His Spirit, that He would uh, just do a new thing in our hearts and in our church, and through us bring His salvation, His gospel, His redemption to our world. And this morning, I want to start uh, focusing on Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 13. Many of you are familiar with this passage because it's known as the Lord's Prayer, It's where Jesus taught his disciples and us how to pray. And there's lots of things, of course, I could say about the Lord's Prayer, but I wanted to focus on one aspect in particular that is going to help us to understand about prayer and revival. So let me read Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13. These are the words of Jesus. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let me pray before we continue. Lord, prepare our hearts to hear, to understand, to apply this to our lives. We need you, God, so please reveal yourself. Reveal your word by your Holy Spirit and help us to see you for who you truly are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, there's a lot of directions you could go when you're talking about the Lord's Prayer, a lot of depths to go into, but there's one aspect in particular that I wanted to focus on this morning. I want just take a higher view and, and look at the flow, the rhythm of this prayer. Uh, there's, there's a rhythm to this there's a, a man, uh, Daniel Henderson, who's, who does a lot of things with prayer and with churches, who kind of lays out, you know, kind of from the conductor's uh, you know, perspective of, of the four kind of movements in a lot of prayers, especially in this prayer, you have reverence. That the prayer begins with reverence, upward, you might say. It's the upward movement of looking up to God and saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be treated as holy. May you receive the praise, the glory, the honor that you deserve. So where does it begin? Where does Jesus encourage us to begin with prayer? With worship upwards, right? To begin with worship, to begin with reminding ourselves of who God is with with asking that his name would be considered holy, beginning with the character of God, with the promises of God, with who he is. That's where he says to begin. Secondly, it goes to downward, to a response. In light of who God is and what he has said and what he's promised, how then should we respond? It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that my life would be about your kingdom, that our response to who God is is that our lives should be about his kingdom, his will, yielding myself, surrendering myself to God, to his Holy Spirit. And then thirdly comes requests. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. What are the things that I need? So I began with God, with who he is, my response to him, and now I move on to my requests. What is it that I need for today? What is it I want to ask God for? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who've sinned against us. And then readiness, moving outward, moving from inward to outward, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So as I go out into this world, I'm entrusting myself to you in the spiritual battle that is out there, God. Encourage me, strengthen me for what's to come. Because I'm moving out. I'm not just staying here in my closet, my prayer closet. But I'm going to be moving out into this world, and I'm going to need you, God. So notice, you can think of that, that, that you know, conductor's kind of rhythm. That upward, downward, inward, outward. That it begins, Jesus says, begin your prayer Our Father in Heaven, focusing on Him, on who He is, His character, His promises. And then how do I respond to that? Yielding myself, surrendering myself to His will, to His kingdom. And then I move on to my request. What are the things that are on my heart that I'm asking God for? And then preparing to go out into this world in readiness. Why do I bring this up? Besides it being a good model for how to pray, of course... Notice the place of requests. That's really where I want to focus this morning. Where did requests fall on the list? Third, right? Uh, So often, we think of prayer as our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, basically. You know, coming to you, God, here's my list of needs. Here's the things that are on my heart. Please, God, help with this thing and that thing and the other thing. So often in prayer, our focus is the requests, that we think it's about making a list, presenting it to God, and that that's where we begin. And Jesus is telling us this is not where prayer begins. That Prayer begins with reverence, with reminding ourselves of who God is, his character, his promises, how we respond to that, yielding, surrendering our will to his, our kingdoms to his. And then we'll have the proper perspective to know how to bring requests to God. And so this morning I want to sum that up in just one line, and I'm hoping that this line is going to be playing in your head often as you come to god in prayer it's this seek his face before you seek his hands say with me seek his face before you seek his hand one more time ready seek his face before you seek his hands what does that mean it means beginning with the relationship with the reverence with submitting myself to him that's where prayer begins Before seeking his hands, what he can do for me, what he can give to me. Instead of just prayer being this thing where we come to God, seeking his hands, seeking what he can give to us and do for us, beginning by seeking his face before we seek his hands. My hope is through the rest of your life, you're going to hear my voice in your head now. You're going to be coming to God in prayer and you're going to hear me in the the background saying, seek his face before you seek his hands. That's right. Let me not just come to him with request, 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 but seeking intimacy with Him. I mean, what happens when we prioritize seeking His hand? What, what does that do to our relationship? What does that mean about the way we view God? I, I think as I thought about that, there's a few things that come to mind. It's seeing God as vending machine, right? It's having a relationship with God, where God with God, where he's the vending machine and you're coming with your money to put it in, trying to get out of God what it is you're looking for. I put in my prayer, out comes the request. And if it doesn't come out the way I want, then I get upset and I start shaking the vending machine, so to speak, right? It's like, what's going on here, God? You know? I've been praying and asking for this for for years, and it's stuck. It's not coming out. It's the approach of God as vending machine. When we come primarily seeking requests, seeking his hands. Or it's God as combination lock, right? Right? It's the approach that, okay, if I can just find the right combination of words, it's going to open and the floodgates are going to open. Right? You ever thought, like, okay, I need to say it a certain way, and I'm sure there's a way that if I just say it this way, it'll manipulate God into giving me what it is that I want. I can't just say, like, Lord, please heal him. I have to, like, there's got to be some way of saying it that's going to unlock the healing of heaven, right? Treating God as this combination lock. And finally, it's essentially just treating God as our servant. <clears throat> it's believing that this life is primarily about my needs, my comfort, my success, whatever it is that I want. I'm the one who knows what's best. God exists to meet my needs. And I will call on him when I need him. Thank you very much. And if he doesn't come through, well, then I'll I'll probably find some other way to get my needs met, if God won't do it. When we come to God primarily seeking his hands, request-based prayer, what is it that you can do for me, God? What is it that I need, what I want? This is how we treat God. God, the vending machine. I put in my prayer and he gives me what I need. God, the... Combination lock. If I can just find the right combination of words, he'll pour out the blessings. God is my servant. I'm the center of the universe. God exists to serve me. When we primarily take this approach to prayer, what does that expose our hearts as? It shows us that our hearts are self centered, our hearts are entitled, our view of God is entirely and absolutely backwards. Somehow we think it's about us. And God has to do what we want him to do. He exists to serve us. And if he doesn't come through giving us what we want, then we're going to shake that vending machine until it comes out. This is not what was intended. And when Jesus taught us how to pray, he didn't begin by saying, this is how you're to pray. Our Father, give us today our daily bread. He said, no, you begin with reverence. Begin with who he is. Begin with reminding yourself in worship of his character, of his promises. And then yield yourself in response. Surrender yourself to his will, his kingdom. That's what matters more than your kingdom, above your will. And then once you've got that proper perspective, bring him your requests because he is a father who loves you and wants to hear your requests. But bring them in the proper perspective, in the proper order. Seek his face before you seek his hand. The face, if you're wondering what I mean by seek his face, the face, you know, is is the representation of the person. You're looking at my face. It represents me here. I mean, God is spirit. God does not have an actual face. We're not talking literally here. But his face is his presence, seeking relationship with him, setting your heart to God to seek him in worship with a longing and a desire to know him. It's not just throwing up a list of needs. It's wanting to know God. The best definition of prayer that I've heard, because I think, you know, if I asked you to define what prayer is, many of you might say something like, well, it's talking to God, you know, or something like that, a conversation with God. The best definition I've ever heard is by Alvin Reed, a seminary professor. He said, prayer is intimacy with God that leads to the fulfillment of his purposes. Notice... The direction of that prayer. Notice the purpose of that prayer. What is it primarily about? It's about the relationship. It's about intimacy with God. When we come in prayer, yes, requests are part of it, but that's not primarily what prayer is about. It is coming into and seeking intimacy with the Holy God, the God who loves us and created us, saved us. Intimacy with God that leads to the fulfillment of His purposes, His will, His kingdom. And yes, sometimes our requests are part of fulfilling those purposes. Sometimes they're not though, and we surrender whatever those things on our heart are to his purposes, to his will. Seek his face before you seek his hand. Let me just I'm going to go through a number of verses just to hammer home what the face of God is all about in the Bible and how important it is. Numbers 6:22 to 27. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Psalm 4, verses 6 through 8. Many are asking, who can show us any good? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when grain and new wine abound. I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Psalm 80, 19, Restore us, O Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. Notice, this is the desire for his face, for his intimate presence, for his blessing, for his joy, for his glory to be in our lives. There's many verses about how God, metaphorically speaking, turns his face away, removes his presence when his people are disobeying, when they're rebelling. Psalm 30, verse seven: "O Lord, when you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm, but when you hid your face, I was dismayed. Psalm 143, 7, Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I will be like those who go down to the pit. Ezekiel 39, 23 to 24. And the nations will know that the people of Israel went into exile for their sin because they were unfaithful to me. So I hid my face from them and handed them over to their enemies and they all fell by the sword. I dealt with them according to their uncleanness and their offenses and I hid my face from them. Micah 3, 4. Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. At that time, he will hide, their face, hide his face His face. From them because of the evil they have done. And last, first Peter 3:12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I don't know what is going on in you as you hear these. Maybe maybe it is just is nothing. As I'm reading this, what's welling up inside of me is this longing, you know, the longing that we were singing about in the beginning, just this desire. If that's what the face of God is, it's it's his intimate presence, it's his blessing, it's his glory, it's what we were created to enjoy, then God, make your face shine on us. Lord, show us your face, the glory of your face, the joy of your presence. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your face from me. This is why we're encouraged throughout to seek his face. Psalm 105, 3 through 4, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Psalm 27, 7 through 10. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. And then Second Chronicles seven thirteen to fourteen, when I shut up the heavens, so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. That's the promise. Seek my face, not my hands. Seek my face before you seek my hands. Revival does not come to a people who are all about seeking his hands. It does not come to a people who treat God like a heavenly vending machine or combination lock or servant. God is not going to bring revival and his presence and his glory to a people who treat God that way. As if I'm the center of the universe and God exists to serve me. And if he doesn't come through the way I want, then I'm going to shake that vending machine. Seek his face before you seek his hands. That is where revival comes, to a people who are seeking God's face, who want intimacy with him, who want to know him. My soul will be satisfied. Your love is better than life. Why? Why seek his face first? I mean, First and foremost, you were created for that purpose. You were created to enjoy Him, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, to enjoy that intimate relationship with Him. If you don't know God that way, then ask Him this morning, show me your face, reveal yourself to me. You were created to have that level of relationship with God, a face-to-face relationship with the God of the universe. This is the sort of, there's a lot of verses I could go to, but this is one verse in particular that came the Philippians 4, 12 through 13. This is Paul writing. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Often that last verse is just kind of pulled out of context as this kind of bumper sticker, right? I can do anything because of Jesus. In the context, Paul is saying, Listen, whether I have got money in the bank or I am poor, whether I'm healthy, whether I'm sick, whatever is going on in my life, whether God is answering every prayer or whether he has said no, whatever it might be, I've learned the secret of being content. I can do everything in any situation because God is with me. I have the face of God, I have him. And if I've got him, then whatever comes my way, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be content. If I get that job or I don't get that job, if the marriage falls apart or the marriage stays together, whatever might happen, I have learned the secret of being content. Because I've got his face. I've got him. I can do anything through Jesus who gives me strength. That, those are the words of someone who, whose life is not about seeking the hands of God, God, if you don't come through and give me the money I need, I don't know what's going to happen if I don't get this job. He says, no, I have learned to be content. Whatever happens. Seek his face before you seek his hands. This poem is from A.B. Simpson, theologian and missionary. I love the way he puts this. Once it was the blessing, now it is the Lord. Once it was the feeling, Now it is his word. Once his gifts I wanted, now the giver own. Once I sought for healing, now himself alone. Maybe you're still kind of in the once in your life, right? Maybe for some of you, you're still in that first part of every stanza. You're still seeking the blessing, the feeling, the gifts, the healing, all of that. And you haven't learned yet the joy, the blessing of seeking his face before you seek his hands, of seeking intimacy with him, of coming to recognize who he is, what he has promised, and that he is enough. He is more than enough. And it doesn't mean you stop asking. It doesn't mean you stop requesting. It means that whether or not you get what you ask for, you've got everything already in him. So how do you seek his face? Can I just encourage you this morning, if you don't know where to begin, how to pray? The best way to pray is just to pray the scriptures, to pray along with God's word. Go back again to the Lord's prayer. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. And of course, the irony of this is that, you know, if you remember the verses right before this, he said, don't go on babbling like the pagans who think they're going to be heard because of their many words. And then what have we done? So many times we've taken this prayer and, and babbled it, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name of the kingdom come. will be done or as it is in heaven. Give us a daily bread and give us everything. Our... You know, like, we've turned it into a prayer that's babbled as if it's some magic incantation that somehow you pray these words and magic happens. I, I think that's exactly the opposite of what Jesus meant. He's not giving this as, you know, just say these magic words. He's giving this as a model of how to pray. Begin with reverence. God, may your name be holy. Lord, may you receive the glory that you are due. Praise you, God, because you are perfect in every way. You are holy. You are worthy of all my praise. You are so good. You're merciful. Your mercy is new every morning. You've never left me. You've never forsaken me. You've created me. You've given me your Holy Spirit. You've promised me eternal life on and on and on, right? Beginning that way. May your name be treated as holy. It's not just saying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be their name. You know, that's not what he meant. He meant begin with reverence. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It means, Lord, may my life be about your kingdom, your will, your purposes. God, you know my heart. You know all the things that I'm longing for, all the things that I want, and I submit them to you. I recognize that you are God. You alone have the proper perspective on everything, and I don't. I am limited. I'm so limited in my perspective. I think I know what's best, and I don't always know what's best. God, make my life about your will, your heart, your purposes, your kingdom. Give us today our daily bread. But these are the things that I need today. Father, I know you hear me and you love me that I can come to you as your beloved child. And so I lift to you my hurts, my needs, the people on my heart, the things I'm asking for. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lord, I confess my sins to you. And if there's anyone that I need to forgive, please, God, give me the strength to forgive them as you forgive me. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, please break the stronghold of sin in my life. Please, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Keep the enemy far away from me. I know this life is a battle. It's a war. There is an enemy who wants to destroy me and destroy us. So, God, protect us. Strengthen us. Keep our eyes fixed on you in this battle, Lord. Again, If you're not sure how to pray, if you're like, the only way I was taught to pray is just I make my list and I bring my list to God and you're recognizing this morning like, okay, you're right, I'm treating God like this vending machine or this combination of lock or this servant. How do I pray? Go to the Bible. There are lots and lots of prayers, whether it's the Psalms, whether it's the prayers of Paul, prayers of Jesus, there's all kinds of prayers. Just take one and pray along with that the way I just did. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at Ephesians 1. Remember he said, I thank my God every time I remember you. He talks about how praying that God would open the eyes of their heart, right? That they might know the hope to which he has called them. The riches of his glorious inheritance and in the saints is incomparably great power for those of us who believe. Pray that prayer. God, open the eyes of my heart. Help me to see you. Help me to understand and know the power that's within me by your Holy Spirit. Help me to know eternity, to understand, to live in light of heaven and all that you've promised me. If you don't know how to pray, if you don't know what it looks like to seek his face, open the Bible and pray along with those prayers. And again, I'm not saying just word by word kind of as if it's a magic spell. I'm saying look at how they pray and pray along Like that, if you don't know where else to start, just start with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord, I praise you because, right? Something like this. I praise you because, Lord, you are beautiful. Lord, you are full of grace. Lord, you are full of love towards me. Moving on to response. May your will be done. Submitting your will to his, your kingdom to his, your wants to him. Moving on to requests. Lord, I ask for, or we ask for. And then readiness. Help me, Lord. Help us, Lord. Recognizing that there is an enemy and it's a spiritual battle and we need his help. You know, this year, again, the emphasis is on prayer and revival at this church. And my conviction going into this, first and foremost, is that this is not a program, right? Prayer and revival. Prayer is not a program. It's not like, okay, we're going to try prayer. We're going to give it three months. And if it doesn't work, then we're going to go try something else, right? That's not what prayer is. We seek God because he's worthy to be sought. We worship him because he's worthy to be worshipped. That's prayer and revival. It's the beginning of a new way of living, a way of being as a church, making sure that we are seeking his face, seeking intimacy with him, seeking his glory. Let me pray, Then we're going to respond and worship.